Would you turn to Matthew chapter 28? We could turn to several different passages today. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 6, when they came to the tomb on that Easter morning, that very first Easter morning after the crucifixion, it says, for he is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And I say to you, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hey, all right. Resurrection. If, if you were to define resurrection, wonder how you would do that. I looked in the dictionary and it says it's the revitalization or revival of something or someone, the act of bringing uh, back to life from the dead. The Greek word in this particular passage in Matthew 28 is anastasis, and anastasis means a rising up or to cause a stand. How many of you are so old you remember the Disney film Anastasia? Let me see your hands. All right, did you know it meant resurrection or standing up? That's exactly what it meant. That's where they got that word from. And this is the annual celebration of the resurrection of the Son of Almighty God. After his crucifixion, he was put in a borrowed tomb. Someone said, why didn't he have his own tomb? He wasn't going to need it very long. So he just borrowed one for three days and three nights. And he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. So it really has nothing to do with bunnies or eggs. It has everything to do with a living Savior. I just wonder, and I got to thinking about this about three or four weeks ago. I got to thinking about it. Do you realize there are several resurrections in the Bible? So today's message, biblical resurrections, and I'm not going to ignore or I'm not going to diminish at all the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the most important one. But I want to show you something here. First of all, Old Testament resurrections. How many remember the story of the widow of Zarephath's son in 1 Corinthians chapter 17? You remember Elijah was at odds with the king, Ahab? And Elijah said, that's it. It's not going to rain for uh, until I tell it to rain. You're going to have a, an absolute famine, uh, no rain, no crops, no nothing. Uh, for, for, and, and, I'm, and I'm just telling you, uh, until you get right with God, things are going to be rough. And so God commanded Elijah to go by a brook named Sherith. And there by that brook, God would feed him there. Now, there's a message right there. God tells us to do something, go somewhere, we better do something, we better go to that place, we better, because that's where God is going to feed us. If Elijah said, you know, the brook Sherith is just kind of a little bitty trickle of water, and it's going to be one of the first ones to dry up, and I think I ought to go by the Jordan River, because the Jordan has a lot more water in it, and so I think that would be the best place. Had he gone to Jordan, he would not have had the promise of God that I will feed you, I will take care of you there. There is a there for every one of us, but that's not the message today. Why am I spending time on that? There was a widow gathering sticks together. She was going to make a little fire, and she had some oil and some meal, and she was going to make a cake for her son and herself, and then she was going to die because that's all they had. And in this society, if you didn't have someone who could provide for you, a widow was really at a terrible disadvantage. And so Elijah came to her after God told him to leave Brook Sheriff, go to Zarephath, and I'll feed you there now. So he goes there, and he finds this widow lady, and he says, what are you doing? She said, I'm getting some sticks, going to make a little fire, going to make this last cake, going to eat it, and then we're probably going to die because we don't have anything else. So Elijah, being the great man of God, said, make me one first. <laughs> you know, 
it says she's going to make a cake. Now, I don't know if it was cake or bread, or, but you know, you know, preachers, you know, they kind of like cakes. And so yeah, he says, make me one first. And, 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 and what she did was exercise some faith in what the good man of God had to say. She made him one, and she found out to her surprise that there was more meal in the, in the box and more oil in the flask, and she made some more for her son. And guess what? That continued until the three years of drought was over. God miraculously provided for her and rewarded her faith. So this is a little message on faith here. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I've got to move on. Then the woman, a woman's son died. And so she was distraught, and she thought her sin had caused the death of her son. Can I say this very diplomatically? Not everything that bad happens to us happens because of some egregious sin in our life. We live in a world that's messed up. Have you figured that out? We live in a country that's messed up. Maybe you figured that out. Only if you've watched the news huh? Uh, or, or aware of what's going on around you. So this woman thought her sin had brought this punishment, and, and that wasn't the case. So Elijah took her son upstairs. He lay him on a bed. He prayed for him. Long story short, the boy came back to life, and the results was this uh, in, in the narrative. It says here, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. So the widow Zarephath's son, this was good news for her. It was good news for her son. He was resurrected. There was another lady, a Shunammite woman. We don't even know her name other than she was a Shunammite in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and she was childless. She saw the, the, the man of God, Elisha, coming by time after time, and so she set up a room, and, and she made it commodious for this traveling itinerant prophet of God to stay. She had a bed and a chair and a desk and, and, and a lamp, and so he would stay there when he was coming through that area. So because uh, she had been so gracious to him, he said, you're going to have a child. And she said, don't toy with me, don't play. She, he said, no, you're going to have a child. And so uh, he did, uh, and uh, she did. And then after a little while, the son died. And so she went to get uh, Elisha and said, uh, my son is dead. And, and Elisha came and interceded on her behalf, and the boy was brought back to life. So this was good news for the Shunammite woman and for her son. Then there was one that really grabs my attention in 2 Kings 13, 20, and 21, the corpse that touched Elisha's bones, okay? They're getting ready to bury this guy. We don't know who it is. They're getting ready to bury some guy, so they dig a grave in an area that already had graves in it and, and didn't realize they'd come across Elisha's bones, and so the Bible says Elisha died, they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that, behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. They just chucked him in there. Maybe his name was Chuck. Just chucked him right in there because they saw this band of soldiers coming. And, and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. I'd like to have been somewhere around there watching this, I, I think. I think it was pretty. And, and you know what's really interesting about it? You remember when Elijah was leaving and Elisha had a request of him? You remember what that request was? On a double portion of your spirit? Do you realize that this last miracle after Elisha was dead made it exactly twice as many miracles that Elisha 
uh, did over what Elijah did. So after, after Elisha died, some people thought, yeah, he didn't quite. He almost did twice as much, but not quite. But then this corpse came alive again. Guess what? This is great news for this unnamed man and his family. But then I read about the Old Testament saints. Now, I read about it in Matthew chapter 27, but you've got to understand, that's still, it, it's not recorded in the Old Testament, but it's still under Old Testament economy and, and so on. And in Matthew 27, 51, behold, the veil of the temple was, was rent in two from the top to the bottom. This is when Christ was crucified. This is when they had him on the cross, and, and the skies became dark in the middle of the day. Absolute night descended upon Mount Moriah, and the, the veil of the temple was torn completely in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks were dislodged and fell out of places. But did you know this happened? And the graves were opened. You remember studying about that? And, and many bodies of the saints that slept arose, and they came out of the graves after this resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. We don't know how many this was. It was a bunch of them. These were the righteous Old Testament saints who were waiting for Jesus as the Passover lamb to pay the price by shedding his blood so that blood could be applied. In the Passover, it was applied on the door mantles and posts and side posts and so on, and the death angel passed over. But under this new economy that was coming to them, Christ became the Lamb of God who was crucified, whose blood was shed, whose when his blood is applied, then we become righteous. We become as if we have no sin in Christ. And so here these old, I mean, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of righteous dead were raised all at once at this momentous time. This was great news to a host of families. Try to imagine that event. You're driving by the cemetery, and all of a sudden, graves are popping open. People are walking around. I'm sure you're going to stop and say, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. No, you're going to keep going fast as you can. Get out of there. Then I, then I came to New Testament resurrections, and man, there's a bunch of those. Jairus, uh, rather. Jairus' daughter in, Ma in Mark chapter 5, verse 35, the ruler of the synagogue. This is a, this is a good guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a main cog of the community here. The ruler of the synagogue's daughter died, and Jesus told him, be not afraid, only believe. And when he got to his house, he said, the damsel is not dead but sleeps. And the people in the room began to laugh at him. And poke fun at Jesus. Who in the world do you think you are? And then he took the damsel by the hand. And he said unto her, Talitha kumai. Which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway, or immediately, the damsel rose and walked. And they were astonished with great astonishment. Man, can you imagine the ruler of the synagogue? How his heart must have just burst with joy. And, and my, my daughter's alive again. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you so much. Great news for Jairus and his family. Then there was the young man from uh, the, the village of Nain in Luke chapter 7. When he's come near to the city of the gate, Jesus that is, when he was come near to the city of the gate, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow facing the same fate as these other widows would face if no one was there to take care of them. They didn't have means. And much of the people of the city were with her, and the Lord saw her. He had compassion on her, and he said to her, Weep not. And he came and touched the beer, the funeral, funeral beer, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. Guess what happened? He that was dead 
sat up and began to speak. And he was delivered to his mother. And there, was a, there came a great fear on all, this idea of fear, a great respect and reverence for this person of Jesus Christ and what he had done. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet is risen up, is risen up among us that God has visited his people. What great news this was for the widow of Nain and for her son. And then Lazarus. Everyone knows the story of Lazarus, right? Mary and Martha uh, sent word to Jesus, you got to come quick. Our brother's sick. He's sick unto death. I don't think he's going to make it. And Jesus tarried a little while longer. And they're like, why would he do that? And so when he finally showed up, when Mary was come where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell down at his feet. She kind of was not happy with him right now. And she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you'd have come when we told you to, when we asked you to, when we sought you, if you'd come then, my brother wouldn't have died. And so Jesus, knowing that she was grieving, didn't say anything. He went to the graveyard, went to the cemetery, and when they took the stone away from the place where Lazarus was laid, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you hear me always, but because of these people, he said, which stand by... I say it that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Had a professor in Bible college said he had to, he said Lazarus come forth. If he hadn't, everybody in that graveyard would have come forward. That'd have been a mess, wouldn't it? So so Lazarus come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. I mean, he's a mummy hopping out of the maybe that's where we got the rabbit. I don't know. Hopping out of the tomb. And he was bound up, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. What fabulous news for Mary and Martha and Lazarus and their family and their friends. Then there was someone named Dorcas. No, that's not a way to put someone down. Dorcas was actually a name. And she was raised by the apostle Peter, raised from the dead. In Acts chapter 9, verse 36, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in, that, in those days she was sick and she died. Here's another person, a good person, doing all kinds of good for, for people all around her. And yet she got sick and died. And Peter rose and went with these people, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and Peter put all of them out, the professional mourners that would come in and wail and weep and cry and carry on. He put them all out, and he kneeled down, and he prayed, and he said, Tabitha, arise. And the Bible says she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows uh, and, and presented her alive, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And so the raising of the dead of this young girl, Tabitha or Dorcas, became great news for the whole town. And one of my favorite ones is Eutychus in Acts chapter 20, raised from the dead by the apostle Paul. Why is it one of my favorite ones? You're about to find out. A young man named Eutychus sitting at the window as Paul preached sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked longer. <laughs> Am I reading this wrong or did he fall asleep during the sermon? I just, I'm not saying anything's going to happen to you. I'm just saying what the Bible says. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. 
But Paul went down, bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, don't be alarmed, his life is still in him. They took him, and the youth took him away alive, and they were comforted. Now, this is great news for all of you who fall asleep during my sermons, <laughs> that there can be possibly a resurrection. But then there was the resurrection. There was the most important, definitive, amazing, incredible resurrection of all time. That was Jesus' resurrection in Matthew 28. Now, after the Sabbath, after that, uh, that celebration, toward the dawn of the first day of the week on Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance the Bible says, was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said unto the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See that I have told you. So they departed and ran quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said unto them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the greatest news there ever has been in the entire history of the entire world. None was more, no other resurrection, as miraculous as they were, no other resurrection has the significance and the impact of the resurrected Savior and Son of Almighty God. It was good for Mary, his mother. She had held his body. She had seen his wounds. She had witnessed them crucifying him, and before that, whipping him, and before that, crowning him with thorns, and before that, mocking him. She had seen all of that, and now Mary, his mother, saw that he was alive. It was good for his brothers and sisters to see that he was living. It was good for the 11 disciples who had still uh, were faithful. It was good for John the Baptist, even though he was dead. He knew what was going on, folks, because you can cut a guy's head off, but if he knows Christ, he's with the Lord, and everything Everything's going to be all right. It was good for his followers. It was good for the Old Testament saints. It was good for the New Testament saints. It was good for the Jews, like this leader of the synagogue who, who had become a Christian. It was good for generation after generation after generation of believers. It's been good for 2019 years. It was good for my grandparents. I thank God that I can see them again one day. Because they had faith in a Savior who loved them and died for them on the cross. It was good for my parents because in 2010, I buried both of them. It's good that I'll see them one day. On my dad's plaque, it says, Because He Lives, a song my dad loved. On my mom's plaque, The Old Rugged Cross, because there was redemption secured for all of us. I'll see my parents again one day. It's it's been good news, this resurrection of Jesus, for far too many people that are buried through the years, hundreds of people through the years. It's good news for me, but here's my question to you. Is the resurrection of Christ good news for you? Has it made a difference for you? You say, what's the big deal about this anyhow? If there have been a bunch of resurrections, what's the big deal about it? None of them did what Jesus' resurrection did for us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ 
has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. No point. We may as well go to the beach. Some of you say, all right. We may as well not be here. Your faith is in vain if he is not raised from the dead. We are found to be misrepresenting God if, in fact, he didn't rise from the dead. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins, and I am too, still in my sins, if Christ be not raised. And then those who have fallen asleep, those who have died over the millennia of human existence, those who have died have perished, if Christ be not raised from the dead. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be pitied. But he doesn't conclude there, does he? Because the Apostle Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead and is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the first fruits. For as by a man came death, that was Adam, for by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then coming of those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God and the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power, for he must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. And here's some great news. The last enemy to destroy is death. Well, I actually finished the message there a couple of weeks ago, and, and not until yesterday did I figure out there needed to be another point. It's not in your notes. Because that other point is future resurrections. And I know of at least three future resurrections. One of them is the resurrection of the two witnesses who are killed during the tribulation. They preach the gospel. They preach in the streets. They, they defy the Antichrist. They defy Satan. They, they, they defy, the, defy the diabolical trinity, and they're true to teaching and preaching the word of God in the streets of Jerusalem, and then the enemy has had enough of it. They kill them. Their bodies lie in the streets for a few days. And then they're supernaturally resurrected again. I'm talking about CNN's going to televise it. <laughs> MSNBC, Fox News. I mean, everybody's going to be like, what? <laughs> oh, get that shot, man. Get, get that shot. They're going up. And then there's another one. And if you're a Christian, get ready. Because one of these days, we're going to hear the trumpet of God. Those who my mom and dad are going to be raised. They're, they're going to be come back and have their bodies going to be glorified, be raised, and then and then angel's going to tap you and me on the shoulder and we're all going to get ready and we're going to go up together with him in the clouds so shall we ever be with the Lord and we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ which is the Bema seat doesn't determine if you're saved or not you're, you're only there if you're saved it determines rewards and the crowns and the crowns that we get for doing what God has called us and pur purposed us and made us to do. And we will then turn around and give those crowns to the one who enabled us to do it because we couldn't do anything good without him. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, man, that's exciting. I'm ready. I, I worry sometimes what's going to happen. You know, we're going to go up really fast. What's going to happen to our clothes? I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to. Well, that's ridiculous. But anyhow, <laughs> you all think about that. Uh, 
But it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. The rapture. That's what we're talking about. The catching up of true believers. This is the first time the true universal church is going to be in, in session because it never has. There is no universal church. There's a body of Christ now composed of believers, but there is no universal called out assembly yet, but there will be on the day of the rapture. But then there's a, another resurrection a thousand years later. This is the great white throne resurrection. You don't want to be in that because the great white throne judgment is when the unsaved, the great, famous, infamous, unknown, stand before God and their names are not found in the Lamb's book of life. And then they're cast forever into what is called the lake of fire. Which resurrection is yours? Would you bow your heads, please? Because of Jesus' resurrection. Oh, not Dorcas's resurrection. Not the widow of Nain's son. Not the guy who touched Elisha's bones. Not Lazarus. But because of Jesus' resurrection, you and I can have part in the resurrection called the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ and a place of eternal blessing. But those who reject Christ will be cast into the lake of fire. So the decision's yours. What do you do with Christ? Will you trust him as your Lord and Savior? When you came in and you sat down on those chairs, I assume you just sat right down, trusted them to hold you up. And as far as I can tell from looking, every chair held every person up. You put your full trust in it. That's what we have to do with Jesus Christ. I can't be good enough. I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. But Jesus died, was buried, rose again, carrying my sins with him so that if I put my faith in him, my trust in him, my confidence in him, I can have eternal life when I leave this world. If you haven't yet done that, I got some great news for you. You can do it right now. I'm going to ask you, every head bowed, every head closed, and if, you would, if you'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior and your God, then I'm going to ask you to pray. You don't have to say it out loud. You can if you want to. It won't bother me, but it, I don't, you don't have to say it out loud. God knows what's going on in your heart right now. He knows what's there. He knows the objections the enemy is giving you. He knows uh, the struggle and the warfare that's going on spiritually. But if you want Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, your Passover lamb, then would you say these words to the Lord? Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that by faith. And I believe he died and was buried and rose again after three days. There's just too much evidence in the world. I believe that he did. So I'm asking you, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Be my God. Be my Savior. Take upon you my sins. Cleanse me through your shed blood. I pray in Jesus' name, with every head still bowed for just a moment more. Every head bowed, it will not embarrass you. I, you have my absolute word on this. If you just prayed that prayer, 
Would you slip your hand up real high? Every head's bowed. Just hold it up real high for a moment until I see it. Hold it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Others, God bless you. Yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for these who have exercised simple faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that you're going to abundantly bless them. And I pray that you would protect them as they begin now their spiritual walk. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Would you stand, please? I'm going to ask uh, Fitz to come on down here and Dan. And I'm going to ask uh, Rachel. And I don't know. I, I think uh, Pat is out. Oh, Pat's right here. So ladies, if you need to talk to someone, you want to have prayer with someone, you'd like to receive Christ, you'd like, or maybe you did, you prayed that prayer and you want to let uh, one of these ladies know, my wife right here and Rachel right over here. Uh, guys, same thing with Dan, with Fitz. You know what? One of the first things we need to do when we put our faith in Jesus Christ is to, is to publicly admit it and to let people know and take a stand for him. So I'm going to challenge you to do something maybe hard for you, to walk up and grab one of these guys' hands, one of these ladies' hands, Say, this is what I did. I prayed that prayer. I'm trusting Christ. Or maybe you want to get baptized and join the church. Whatever it is, you come tell them. As our praise team sings a, a song, this is an invitation open for you. So come ahead right now. Come on, right now. From the very back, from the front, come ahead. Now, we're going to, we're not quite through yet. We're going to have an uh, Easter egg hunt for the kids. Okay. Yeah, don't let anybody start. Stay on the sidewalk. Do not let them pick up a single egg until they say go. Let me give you a couple of announcements. First of all, Ronald McDonald House tomorrow at uh, 4 o'clock. Yes, and if you want to come with us, find out, please see me. 
See, Rachel, that, they go prepare a meal for the parents and children who are undergoing cancer treatments, and we'll do that once a month. It's an incredible ministry, so if you want to help out, please do so. Check bulletin for weekly Bible studies and prayer meetings next Sunday. Uh, Jamie Johnson is going to be speaking in our absence. We're going to a, a preacher's and preacher's wives' um, meeting in Missouri, so be praying for us. But uh, Jamie's going to be preaching on finding purpose in life, purpose and direction. Why in the world are you here? Uh, so be sure to be here for that. Um, men's breakfast will not be on the 4th, but will be on the 11th. And then I've got a new series we're starting. Uh, Jamie preaching next week, but then how do we know God exists? Uh, did God create evil? If God created everything, did he create evil? How do we know the Bible is the word of God? Because we base everything we believe on this book right here. So how do we really know? Is it circular reasoning? Do we just say, yeah, I believe the Bible and oh, the Bible says it, so it must be true. It's just circular reasoning. Going to talk about that. Is atheism rational? Does it even make sense? Uh, Christianity and religion. And what is Islam will be the last one in that series because it's very relevant. Need to know that. And then the next week after that, our man, a missionary who, understand this, I mean, this blows my mind. He is 10 minutes from downtown Karachi, Pakistan, 96.4% Islam, 3.6% either um, Buddhist or, I think, uh, or Christian, one of the, you know, that combination. And they have the feeding center there. And, and First Baptist Church has launched the feeding center. Up to 65 kids are fed every single day. And then they have Bible studies with them, teaching them English by teaching them the Word of God. So it's an incredible opportunity God has given to us, $28 a month, I believe it is. So if you'd like in on that, uh, we're hoping that expands the potentials for feeding, uh, you know, a thousand kids in the very near future. But we're excited about, about that particular ministry. And that ministry leader, Randall and Rachel Fernandez, who grew up in my other church and are now missionaries there, are going to be here after I preached the lesson on Islam the week before. So you're going to want to come and hear from them. So, all right. Hey, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you so much, visitors. You made our day. Members, you always make our day. Let's be dismissed in prayer and get your kids, line them up. Don't let them get anything until they're all set and ready to go. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for each person here, member and visitor. God, we pray that you'd be honored and glorified in everything that we say and do in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful rest of your Easter Sunday.